Now I declare the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding as a result of it. Walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. Understanding is good though. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now you've seen somebody shouting for pain before. My stomach. Ah, my stomach. Go. Hey, what is the problem? When they say, she's in labor. Ah, <laughs> my lady, send me over. Can you see what understanding did? It removed worry from you. Are you getting my point? And that's what understanding does. It removes worry. If you did not know the woman was pregnant, you would have joined in worrying. Ah, what do we do? Have you called the doctor? Is it the doctor traveled? Ah. It's funny, right? There was a day all the surgeons in, in Enugu traveled, and the man died because of it. True story. <laughs> they all went for a conference in Ghana. It's also funny. They wanted to kill that man. That's this. All of them went the same time for a conference in Ghana. The man fell sick while all the surgeons in Enugu traveled. They couldn't get a serious surgeon. And one baby surgeon operated on the guy. And we got the guy and a baby surgeon. When he saw sickness, even he, he confused. What am I going to say? But because, you see, if you have understanding of what is going on, you relax. Oh, the woman is in labor. You say, ah, okay, precious, I beg. Tell her what to do next. And you won't worry. <laughs> I remember when um, Digi's wife, she was in labor. My colleague, so I said, ah, it's my wife that's in labor. Ah, so the man came to attend the labor himself. So he and I were gisting. We hear Mara shout, we continue talking as if nothing happened. And my husband would look at us like, what is wrong with these two weekends before? <laughs> I remember it was very funny. We just sat there in front. We just talking, hey, ah, what happened? Eh? The occasionally will get up, go inside, come back, sit down again. Why? Understanding. Are you getting my point? Yeah, that's what it does. It removes confusion from you. That's why sometimes when they struggle around, you know what the Lord said? You just look up, your redemption is near. Are you getting my point? Now let me pray for you. Today, the Lord will give you the needed understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. The understanding that is needed, the Lord will reveal it to you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I emphasize the word needed because there are different things for each season. I started preaching the gospel when I was on campus. I became a teacher of the word in my university days. Eight years after, that's eight years, 91 to 2002, 2001, there Ministry didn't start. I would have been confused. But while I was serving, the Lord gave me understanding to know that there would be delay the way I understood it. So he put my mind at rest. I knew I was not backsliding. So he made it easy for me when I came to Enugu and I took off with Kingdom World Ministries. So your specific understanding, the Lord will give it to you today in Jesus' name. Sometimes things around may look confusing. But don't worry about it. God will help you to see what he's doing in it in Jesus' name. David looked so closely, and God gave him understanding. That's Psalm 119 that we were reading. Because of that, you know what he said? It was good that I was afflicted. Now, when he was, he didn't understand, he would have been confused. But after a while, he said, give me understanding and I shall live. And when God gave him understanding, he opened his mouth and said, it was good that I was afflicted. 
understanding to help you make sense of your life, receive it today in the name of Jesus. Amen. All confusion is banished. Amen. Clarity has come to you again today. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Before you sit down, please greet somebody on your left and your right. Tell the person you are very wise. You are very wise. Understanding is your portion. Yes, so you, are, you are wise. You are wise. You have clarity. Yes. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Revelation chapter 2, let's begin from verse 1. The Lord had spoken to John to begin to write. So now he was dictating the letter that he wanted to send to the churches to John. So he said, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance, and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, he says, that you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I will come to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. So yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Emphasis, which I also hate. It's important you hate the things that the Lord hates. One of the assignments you have as a Christian is to know what the Lord hates. For example, God hates many prophets of these days. How do I know? He said, I hate those who separate brothers. Are you getting my point? Anybody that separates brothers, God says he hates. These prophets that keep on telling you your grandmother is a witch, that guy is going to die soon. You know why? God hates him. Tell all these prophets that are always sitting down and trying to tell you who is afflicting you. That old boy, God hates you. Because what they do is separate families. There are families that are broken down because one member went to see a prophet. In case you don't know, if you're a tail bearer too, you come to a family and tell a man, we were praying last week and found out that your wife is a witch. In case you don't know, God also hates you. Yeah. Very important we understand this, these things. As Christians, I want to understand that there are things that God hates. You may say, look, listen, there's only the Bible because the accuser of the brethren. Tell them the kind if you have access to him that I said so. And God has time. He gives time. You see, you can fight for causes. You don't have to separate brothers. When you open your mouth and even start attacking churches, trying to separate brothers, one day you will die by fire. You know, you could die by fire. And God will say, what happened? He said, well, you've been fighting all the fight you wanted. Then you opened your mouth and began to say things that separated brothers. I got provoked. And if you're a Christian... Just understand. God said, Yet I, you have this. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also do what? Hate. If God hates something, hate it. Even if it's benefiting you, hate it. Even if it agrees with your culture, hate it. God said, I hate divorce. Are you getting my point? Yeah, I said that in Malachi. So no ever counsel anybody to divorce his wife or, or her husband. Though. Because you must hate what God does what? 
hates. Go to the screen, you see something he says he hates. He hates unjust weights. There are filling stations that will burn. God will burn them, put them on fire. Do you know why? Unjust weights. The pump fuel you pay for 50 liters, you actually get 42. Every 8 liters so saved is bringing judgment into the house of the owner. Why? There are things the Lord does what? Hates. If you're a trader here, a businessman, and you're supposed to measure things for people, please, don't let God hate your business. Don't say this how everybody is doing it. Eh, God hates everybody too. I don't know why you're getting my point. Salvation is not by survey. If everybody does it, it's okay. No, 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 no. Salvation is not by survey. Salvation is not by survey. Everybody is doing doesn't make it right. When the world wanted to start legalizing sexual perversion, the man released a book on the sexuality of human beings and showed that a lot of human beings were homosexuals, a lot of men were adulterers, a lot of women were adulteresses, so they said it is normal. So they began to work on legislation to remove those things from being illegal. You'll be surprised that in most of Europe, just a few decades ago, adultery was a criminal offense. Till now, in many countries in the world, it's still a criminal offense. Your wife can get you thrown into jail in many countries just by proving that you have a girlfriend outside. And they will toss you in jail. But after some time, they just say, oh, no, 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 every man does it. It's still been a crime. Canada, some years ago, stopped. You know when devil wants to deceive people? They stopped Indian hemp from being, that's possession, or uh, moving it around, being a crime. Why? They said that it was getting to be a lot of manpower, a lot of resources, government resources, all right, was going into it in policing such a common occurrence. So they stopped it from being a crime, became a simple misdemeanor. A few years later, it became fully legal. <laughs> so let me just drop something. I'm digressing slightly. I'll soon get back to my message. Just by the way, this is just by the way, because I mentioned that thing about Canada and the Indian hemp stuff. You know, they try to pressure countries like Nigeria, a lot of African countries. Europeans started to do that. Americans started to do it, that we should legalize abortion. And you know the arguments they use? And I just want to give you wisdom, right? So you know how to argue things if people bring it up to you. This is the argument they use. There are many arguments. Now, this is our own argument. Let me start so that I'll just conclude with that. Why I don't agree is because I'm a Christian. It forms my life. It forms my life. My culture is based on my faith. And that's how life is. Culture is based on faith. Now, why don't I agree because I say that the child is a living being? The argument now is when does life start? Because, you see, if he says it's not convenient, having the child is not convenient, you may as well shoot the child the day after he's born. Why don't you let us strangle the child after he's born? Because you say, no, this is a living person. But the child, is it that one hour difference that makes the person living or not living? Are you getting my point? Because the doctor may tell you your EDD, of course, when they give you EDD, is 40 weeks. But we know that the baby is mature once 37 weeks is complete. So two weeks before the EDD, the baby is mature, fully mature. What doctors give as EDD is the average. You can deliver any time from end of 37 weeks to 42 weeks. It's considered normal. Even though doctors normally don't let you get to 42 weeks, okay? 
but they give EDD as 40, just an average. So a week before that, <laughs> is it maybe a human being or is not? Now, I'm not asking you now, I'm just telling you to think. Two weeks before that, there's what we call age of viability in medicine. By 28 weeks worldwide, the baby is said to be viable outside the womb. You may have to go into an incubator, you may have to wrap the baby in cloth, but it's viable, it can live. That age has been dropped to as low as 22 weeks. Now, so some people say, okay, if his age is not yet viable, it's not yet a, live, it's not yet a life. But that is my one argument. My argument is simple. The Bible says the life of the flesh is where? In the blood. Is where? In the blood. In the blood. By the time the woman knows she's pregnant, the baby already has blood, the heart is beating. The baby's heart starts beating at three weeks of life. And usually the woman does not know she's pregnant until she has missed her period for at least a week. Usually two weeks before she checks. By that time, the baby is four weeks old. That is why I'm giving you the faith basis for some of these things. So the basis is the life. So if blood is flowing, there's life. Don't argue that with me. But let me get back to the main issue. That, like I said, just by the way. So this argument they use, they'll tell you that, okay, listen. Many people are dying because abortion is illegal. Why are they dying? Because they go to unqualified people to do it, and it's still date the number one killer of young girls. Is it to save it? Make it? Why do they do that? Because they have to hide. But that's actually not the main reason. It's cost. Just to give another information. Is what? It's cost. It's cost. Why they use the illegal people? It's just cost because there are many qualified people that don't give a hoot. Uh, you understand? And they do, of course. They, and they know. The truth is that those guys are expensive. Now, but this is where I'm going. Like I said, I'm just giving you a bit of wisdom to know how to navigate matters in life. The reason why you must never legalize anything is this. What, the legality or otherwise of a thing speaks about the morality. If something is legal, you can't argue that it's immoral. Are you getting my point? So it is wrong to legalize what is immoral. If something is immoral, you must not legalize it, no matter the cost to the people. Because being illegal is a statement of morality. Are you getting my point? So in the society, once, the, once everybody, if everybody is doing something and the law says it's, it's wrong, are you getting my point? God, God, God just watches, and as a nation, they, are, they have mercy. But once the government says it is okay, suddenly as a nation, you have invoked his judgment. The laws of a country speak a lot about how God will treat them. It's very important. I just thought about that thing today. I said, no, people forget this thing. Once you start legalizing something, that's a matter of fact. When you start legalizing something, you are telling your young people it is morally sound. You are removing the powers of the society to speak against it. Why? It is legal. And that's why countries like Nigeria will keep it on our criminal code. You can still have a doctor's license removed in Nigeria today for doing it. It's illegal. It's Nigerian law. And we like it like that. We do. We do because it is still a statement of our morality. Yeah, we know people are doing it. We don't care. But our, because we still have a set, you know, let me tell you something. They may say it's hypocrisy. It's not hypocrisy. I'll get back to my message in a moment. It's not hypocrisy. Because I found out that God likes in quotes, those kind of hypocrites. He prefers them to those who are overt sinners. 
I'm not saying God likes hypocrisy. That's it. So. What does he like? Righteousness. Believe what is right and practice what is right. He prefers a man that does what is wrong and hides it and comes on the surface and says, no, 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 nobody should do that. Now, I'm not saying he likes the person. I'm just saying he prefers to the person who is teaching the rest of the world. You understand? He says, no, we have to be open. No, God says, hey, 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 don't be open. <laughs> you, know, you know what is called coming out of the closet? The world glamorizes that you come and reveal that you've been a homosexual all your life. They call it coming out of the closet. God said, now I have to kill you. When you enter your closet, I knew I left you alone. <laughs> because you couldn't confuse the younger people. <laughs> like I said, I'm digressing, okay? That just by the way. So <clears throat> once in a while, we drop just to help us um, know how to speak, handle cases, arguments, and stuff like that in life, all right? So that's what I was saying. So God says to them, he was saying that, yet this you do have. That you hate the deeds of the Nucleitans, which I also hate. As Christians, let's observe what God says he hates. And we must hate those things, no matter how nice it feels like to us. God hates injustice. Never get involved in it. He saw injustice and he was displeased. In verse 17, in verse 7, he who has an ear, he says, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes... I will grant of the, to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Please notice the expression, overcomes. Life is a challenge. Uh, you're not supposed to be running away from challenges. You're supposed to face them and do what? Overcome them. Now, it says, And to the angel of, of the church in Smyrna writes, The first and the last who was dead and who has come to life says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not. But a synagogue of Satan. He said, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison. So that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He was an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes, not the word overcome again, will not be hurt by the second death. Life has challenges, and we are supposed to do what? Overcome. Let's just read this other one, then I will um, start speaking. The church in Pergamum. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, The one who has a sharp two-edged sword says this, I know where you dwell, where Satan has, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast my name, and do not deny my faith even the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. Please, before I go on, note that Smyrna, there was nothing had against them. Okay? He said, now, I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit acts of immorality. So you also have some who are in the same way, who in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Let me just read that from you from the New Living Translation. So in a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. There's a reason why I'm reading that. Say so who follow the same teaching. 
Then verse 16, no, because that kind of answers, because I've read many things, I've um, listened to many people, and nobody understands who the Nicolaitans were or what they represented. There have been a lot of people guessing about it. Okay, Some said anybody that divides the church into clergy and laity is Nicolaitans. There's no proof for that. It's just uh, people, people use the word. I think they broke down the word Nicolaitans and, and tried to bring it out of it. Okay, Like I said, there's nothing convincing about that. But when I saw the New Living Translation saying there are some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching, that gives us the idea that what the Nicolaitans were teaching may have been similar to what Balaam was teaching. Are you getting my point? All right. He said, therefore, verse 16, repent, or else I'm coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. So you see, Jesus does not always do nice things. Sometimes he makes war. All right. And as in verse 17, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. The Lord is good. Now that's verse 17. Let me stop reading there. And then let's we begin to speak. Now, you will not see what I've been doing all the way. <laughs> but let me now do the main teaching for the day. Now we've been looking at this message of the Lord Jesus to the churches. And last time, um, let me just bring out one or two things we ended with last time. Because we've been looking at the church in Ephesus. Okay? Uh, we explain that what Jesus is saying here is not just for those churches. It's for anybody that gets to read those letters. Once you read the letter here, pick things for, from them for your life. Pick things from them that affect you as an individual. You know, adapt your life to it. What, what we ended with last time, which I should just quickly emphasize again, is that no matter how good you think you are, there is an area you need to improve most likely. There is an area. And that even though the church in Ephesus had everything going for them, apparently. But just one thing, it appeared like, okay? But that thing was crucial. That was one area they were falling back. And in that area, the Lord Jesus said, if you don't make improvement, you may lose your place. Let me put it like this. You may lose your place in life if you don't make improvement. And what was that? He said, they departed from the love they had at the beginning. Uh, New Living Translation says, the love they had for him and for each other. He now said, repent and do the work you did at first. Now, I said something to us before, that the fact is that people tend to love less as time goes on in life. And the reason is because affections compete for space. That's just the way it is. You know, um, one of the Oswalds, I wasn't sure which one again, okay? And I, talk, I think it was Oswald J. Smith, actually. He talked about the expulsive power of a new affection. It's normally when something new comes in that it takes the place of another thing. So when you find Christians that used to be zealous for the Lord, for the Lord and they are not so anymore, Something else has taken that place. That's really what happens. Let me just say this. What I believe is the commonest is this desire to have money. This desire to settle. You know, usually young men, or, I mean, let me give my own life as an experience. And when you're on campus, you're not under pressure to buy a car. You're not under pressure to build a house. You're not under pressure to, you know, what you just needed to do was read and pass your exam. And then, you know, you are not fending for anybody. Okay? It's just you. You're taking care of yourself. So it was easier, apparently speaking, okay, to follow the Lord with all your heart. But let me say something to you. You have to be careful that nothing displaces following the Lord. It's very important. You, you, you have to be careful because it displeases Him. 
He does. There's one thing you must understand about the Lord. There's one important name he used for himself. He said, the Lord, the Lord thy God is a jealous God. Jealous. And he chose the word carefully. He's jealous. Yes. He doesn't want you ever to put his things last. And that's why as a Christian, you must be careful to see everything you do in life in light of the relationship you have with God. Like I was saying last time, your children are not even your own. You have to be careful. Do always see them not as your own, but as his own. See what you are doing for them as service unto the Lord. It's crucial. Anything you want to do in life, let me just say this again, please. Never, ever treat the Lord as if, let me say to him, then I can do something else. You provoke his jealousy. You do. <laughs> I know some of you say he has gone there again. I will go there. Uh, you know the fact? The Lord is jealous over many people's money. Yeah, he's looking at their money. I say, look at this boy has collected my money. This girl is holding my money. Do you know why? Because they believe a doctrine that says that 10% of their income belongs to him. And the Lord Jesus has been wondering for a long time. So who owns the other 90%? Well, I think it's a matter of fact. The Lord is saying that 90% of my money has been taken from me. By who? By the person I gave it to. And the person is going around bragging. They have given God his portion. So the Lord is wondering, who owns the rest? And he's really confused. In quotes, who owns the rest? You give me 10%, then you hold 90. You don't even respect seniors. Even there to share it, what should we do? You should take 10%. While I take 90, then I know who is Lord. But you sat down, wrote a doctrine by yourself, and decided that 10% is my own, 90% is yours. Know what the Lord is saying? I, the Lord, am what? A jealous God. Let me tell Christians again. I know we are not many that say this thing, but we will continue to say it. And thank God, okay, is on my side. The fact is that 10% of your income doesn't belong to him. He's a jealous God. He accepts, I said last time, only 100%. And that's what I was trying to say that. I'm talking about loving God consistently. You must see everything you do as service for him. So when I'm paying my children's school fees, it's an offering, if I may put it like that. It's his own. They are his children. They are not mine. They are the responsibilities that he gave to me. And while he was doing that, he sent some money and said, educate them. So it's really not righteousness when I take their school fees and put an offering basket. Yeah. I've not done anything fantastic. I say, I love the Lord so much. I, can't, I don't even pay my children's school fees until I finish building the church of God. Your head is really not correct, really. I don't think your head is correct. <laughs> when you make statements like that, that makes that building an idol. That building becomes an idol. When everything comes, <laughs> comes to a standstill, because of a building. You don't know God. Everything you do as a Christian, you must realize is what? It's for the Lord. So that's, that's why you have to be careful. So that, it's not everything you do. The other you can tell I shall be, I'm not buying. The color code is fuchsia and turquoise. See, in our church, they don't wear fuchsia. <laughs> At least for that weekend. <laughs> if you know what I'm going to say. If you can't afford it, say, I'm sorry. Why? Because this money is the Lord's money. 
Every bit of it, please, wipe it off your minds, your hearts, your brain, everywhere. To give your, giving yourself the impression that when I've given him 10%, the rest is now mine. No, there's nothing like that. I can't pay him. I, please, I keep on telling Christians this. Because that doctrine, it creates a funny thing for believers. They now say that in tithe and offering, that tithe is compulsory, offering is voluntary. Have you heard that thing before? Let me just tell you the truth. There's nothing like that. That principle is not based on scripture. If you have time to argue Bible, you can come and meet me. I've not argued in a long time. You know why? I don't have time for people to argue with them. But I'm just in an argument mode today. Because, believe me, these are things we have studied for a very long time. They say tithe and offering. Tithe is what? Compulsory. Offering is what? Voluntary. Who said so? That's the question I want to ask. It's quoted from Malachi in chapter 3 where it says, you robbed me in what? In tithes and in what? Offerings. If it was voluntary, it couldn't be robbery. If it was voluntary, it couldn't be robbery. For Israel, every one of the tithe, uh, of the offerings were what? Compulsory. Both the tithe and the offering in Israel were compulsory. None was voluntary. Israel didn't understand the concept of voluntary giving. That's what we don't realize. The only time they took things voluntarily was when they wanted to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. And at the point in time, David also took voluntary offerings for building the temple. Otherwise, all the things they called tithes and offerings were what? Compulsory. If your wife delivered, your first child is a son, the offering was compulsory. A bullock, three years old, all those kind of things, you had to give it. If you were too poor, you got two doves. You had to do it. But it was called what? Offering. If you committed a trespass, it was compulsory. So please, that concept of one is, what do you call it? Compulsory. The other is voluntary. It doesn't exist from that, con- that context. It does not exist. So if you want to draw it down to New Testament, both of them are still compulsory. But except that that's not New Testament. New Testament, everything is what? God's own. So he doesn't understand this. Uh, I give you small. You will bless me for it. He's looking at this. Look at this guy. You give me my thing. He like, come to my house, collect my car, take some of my money, buy food in it, and say, Pastor Bank, if I drive you to this place, you will bless me. It's my car, it's my fuel. And I'm assuming I'm your, you're my driver, I also paid you. So even your time for that period is my own. Why should I bless you? For what? There's no special blessing. But I expect obedience. And that's what God is. So what God does is, that, like I told you, it's a jealous God. Now, I'm, I, I, please, I know where I began this from. So I'm going to say that Jesus doesn't want us to love him less than ever before. And one way, because what normally happens to people is that competition sets in. And the reason is because people start dividing their lives. Let me do this for God so I cannot do for myself. Once you behave like that, you will reduce the amount of love you have for him. It's inevitable. You get my point? The only way to solve it is to simply look at every aspect of life and see how it is of service to the Lord. And if it is not of service to the Lord, you have to find how to cut it off. Are you getting my point? You are looking for a wife, it's of service to the Lord. If it's not service to the Lord, forget it. That is why, and it's how do you know it's of service to the Lord? It's simple. Let me give you an example. What are the criteria you are using? It's simple. What are the criteria? What are the things inside your heart? 
Is that your, 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 your community people, they've decided when you should marry, how you should marry, where you should marry from. If you do that, Jesus becomes angry with you. Because what happens is that his jealousy kicks in. You don't love him as you used to love him before. What is the purpose of the marriage? There are statements people will make, and you just know that God is about to get angry with somebody. No, be me, it's just I said it to you, you can see. He said, you'll soon lose your place in life. That my mother said, until you have a son, your leg is not, com- it's not, it's not, how do I say now? Your leg is not firm in this house. That's an idolatrous way of thinking. It's idolatry. You're not worshiping the true God. The statements you don't make, you don't make them. They're your village statements. It shows your marriage is not of service to God. You know, the love is weak. It's weakened. <laughs> when I'm teaching students, I say something, you know, of course, most of them may not be believers, you know, you don't know. So just make some statements. They're like, what? <laughs> I said, my children know that they... They are, they are byproducts, in quotes, of the relationship that God created and not the reason why for the relationship. They are a blessing that is added. They are an assignment. Like I was teaching them this morning, you are the godly seed that comes out of it. But God said, he never said, he will punish me for dealing treasures with my children. He never said that. If I sack all my children because they disobeyed their mother, God is not angry. <laughs> well, he's not, he's not excited. We just say, ah, thank you. Let's try now. But if I deal treacherously with the wife of my youth, you know what he says? Forget prayer. So I want to answer you again. If you speak in tongues, it's not tongues. It's tongues of demons. You are possessed with an evil spirit. He may declare the two shall become what? One. That is how I speak and I know that my marriage is what? Serving the Lord. Christians have children and they are queuing them up to take title after them. What kind of title? Traditional title. Like I say all the time, you know, Christians, a lot of us, we like to take risks with our lives, but we can't take risks with our children. If your child now tells you that, maybe they post it for NYC, so they post it to, post it into, let's even take a benign state like Niger State. Ah, it's not safe, oh. Is that rushing to NYC to redeploy your son to your backyard? And this boy likes to preach. Maybe he has told that, ah, well, after can we used to go for rural rugged. And you're thinking, rural rugged. This boy wants to kill somebody. And you're wondering, what kind of rural is rugged in where? Please, oh, come back home where everything is safe. Then you quickly arrange visa for you go to America and stay there. Don't come to Nigeria. Nigeria is risky. What are you doing in America right now? I've gotten a job. I'm sweeping gutter somewhere. Good. <laughs> That's it. Good. Why? You feel he's safe. You know the truth? You don't want to reason if God doesn't do something. Why Islam will overtake Christianity? Although it won't happen because it's against the law of God. But let me just say something. There's an attitude you see that they have, the Islamic um, fundamentalists. If his child dies in the course of jihad, it's Allah Akbar. You get the attitude. There's a doggedness that God gave to them and said, no, he said the Christians go and learn from it. This doggedness. My friend in the north will tell you that. In Sokoto, you want to rent a house, a man will hear that you're a pastor. He's not a militant. But he will deny you the house. You know his reason? He said, it is my contribution to jihad. He, 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 the house is vacant. Nobody's renting it. He's losing rent. Rent money. But he said, that rent money I'm losing is what? My contribution to jihad. But you know what? You see, you see Christians, vibrant Christians. Like my friend, Pastor Corey, for something. He said, bring your children down south to where everybody is safe. He said, what about the children of my church members? That was his own argument. Yet, in the heat of Christ, they run down home. He said, for what? They said, your children will be safe. He said, they are safest where I am. 
Please send them now. He says, send a plane that can carry all the children of my church members. If you can't, please leave my children alone. <laughs> now, I'm going to say something here. So, you see, look, let's get back to the true Christianity. Not this joke that will come to just hire Alibaba to perform before pastor comes to preach. Brethren, today we have a special guest. Who, Agoda. Hey. <laughs> hey, we don't show, we don't show. Guys, as they come for road just now, they can tell you a story. <laughs> and then we need to look at every part of our lives as what? The service to God. So I'm marrying is for the Lord. The statement I don't make about my wife and my children. See, an adult Christian still telling you that until you have a son in this house, your leg is not balanced. That guy is a Muslim. No, really, statements you make must reflect your faith. If it doesn't, you're not serving the Lord. You have become, what, cold. Your love has weakened. That's why I was angry with the church in Ephesus, with everything that they had. Everything they had going for them. He said, they are, they are, you see, the love you have now is not like it used to be. I remember what God said to Israel. He said, I remember the devotion of your youth. Never forget that statement. God said, I remember the devotion of your youth. It's a challenge we all need to, you know, something we have to focus on that. My, the devotion of my youth must not weaken. And I'm giving you a key to ensure it doesn't weaken. Make sure everything you are doing, you are looking at it in the context of living for God. You're not starting ministry because <laughs> people have said it that, you know, when I started the ministry, those days, they say you need to start a church. I said, why? Say so you have a regular source of income. You know, the kind of people who finish telling you do like this from back. You want me to die, Abby? Starting the church a problem? Of course not. Why? Is not what the problem now is. I have funny things. Like people are not loyal. They listen to you free on Saturday. I was told that. On Sunday, they will carry their tithes and offering to their churches. And then you say, <laughs> so everybody man telling me. Say, you have to be wise. You have to be wise. I just be thinking. I say, now, nah, wow. So now I'm understanding how, why men do what they do. I'll just be thinking. And like I can tell you all the time, you don't understand. Our money in Kingdom World Ministries is labeled. Before God gives you that money, he labels it. If you won't give it to us, it will come by itself. You wake up in the morning, your phone will just get while you are watching. Open your app. Transfer money. <laughs> and you ask your phone, what are you doing? You say, I'm saving your life. Look at you. <laughs> no, really. The Lord has been faithful. Because I want to understand this. And I said from the beginning, listen, I'm not going to start a church because I want to collect people's money. It's wickedness. No, it's wickedness. It's wickedness. You gather people because you want to collect their money. If God slaps you tomorrow, you say, oh, Lord, they say you don't do anything like that. No, it's not right. It's not right. Let me tell you the truth. Eh? The, 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 look, the eye of the Lord runs to and fro. The whole earth, looking for the heart that's perfect towards him. A heart that's ready to stay dogged to the truth. No matter how long it takes. That's what he's looking for. He finds the heart, he blesses that person. Why, how do we do it? Because Jesus was angry with the church in Ephesus. That for every good thing you have done, this one thing I have against you. And you have to work on it. So you used to love me more before. And I said, look, listen. The cost of reducing the love is competition. It's just competition. Like Paul said, the single man minds only the things of the Lord. When I has a wife now, or a husband... They now start sharing the love. And there's a way around it. That's what I'm going to explain. If you realize that the wife is not a wife in herself, she's a partner in the work of God. The husband is not, is not like, okay, 
I will serve God. Christians say it. You serve God on Sunday. And then the rest of the week, you serve your boss. You serve your business. That's why Jesus is angry with people. Because you have cut his love down to one day of the week. It's not good. How do you handle that? It is simple. Yes, I'm in church on Sunday. But in church, whether I walk there or not, I go there to learn how to serve God the rest of the time. I hope you get my point here. I don't serve God only on Sunday. I serve God every day of the week. That's why I can't do a job that doesn't glorify God. If the company defies my conscience, I'm sorry, I can't work there. Are you getting my point? Whether they are arresting people or not, that's why I can't sell cocaine. It's because my work is what? Service to God. There are many things that are legal that people are doing, but God said this is immoral. That's it. The law says it's immoral. They pay well, but it's immoral. I remember when Nigeria Tobacco Company, no, British American Tobacco came those days. They were paying like oil money. They were paying heavily. I told people, I said, do you know why they have to pay heavily? He said, why? I said, because they have to, Christians are good workers. They have to kill their conscience. You come with the money, marketing poison. If you smoke this poison, you will know we made a good poison for your soul. <laughs> one day, one of my friends, he forwarded something to me that a Reverend Father wrote on the church, the stand of their church on cigarette smoking. That just like everything will be used in moderation. I asked, how did they use poison in moderation? You're comparing it to food. You can't compare cigarettes with food. Oh, I know a lot about cigarettes. It's not food. You don't compete. You're going to say, do it in moderation. Wine is even different. Because, you know, Jesus drank wine. Timothy drank wine. <laughs> but poison? No. I, I asked the guy, I said, how do you use poison in moderation? A number of us in that group, all right, doctors. I said, let's discuss it now. How many cigarettes is moderation? No, it's true. Let's, let's, let's check. How many, how much cyanide is moderation? How much rat poison is moderation? Don't eat too much rat poison. Just use it in what? <laughs> in moderation. Oh, the Lord is good. What am I saying? Everything we do must glorify God. Everything. Everything. Once, because you see, that's how you maintain your love for him. You realize that you don't have, like that's what I was saying earlier. You don't own any part of yourself. You don't own any part of your money. You can't say I've given God his portion, the rest is mine. No, it's not yours. You account for every dime. How you spend every dime? Every single dime. How you spend it? That's if somebody tells you that, listen, though. <laughs> Maybe policeman stops and say, man, that decides, okay. You know he's trying to collect money. People say, should I give him money? But listen, there's a difference between bribery and extortion. Somebody says, extorted the man say, okay, if I give you this money, you know it's the Lord's money. And he may come and collect his thing. Off. I'm telling you the truth. The Lord does that too. If he says, okay, where's my money? So I got Saji. <laughs> Sergeant collected it. Should we collect it back? Sometimes you look and say, Lord, leave him. Ignorance. There are times you are angry, say, Lord, recover. <laughs> the Lord says, good. Sometimes that recovered thing. He's been waiting. Maybe somebody, you know, there are people that their cup is about to fill up. You know, there are different angels in heaven. You know that? There are angels that come. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. <laughs> That's Gabriel. There are angels that... <laughs> People... 
The angels like that. And the chief of those ones is Michael. You know, when the devil is fighting, they send Michael. <laughs> the Lord is sorry. So if, if the Lord wants his money back and he sends Michael after you, you're on your own. <laughs> Honestly. I pray that Christians will understand. There are times people want to a study of money. Just be feeling sorry for the person. So this money, if I give you a bishop, we'll some, some of those days. So some people ask him for money like that. He said, he will tell the person, I can't give you. If I do, it's leprosy for life. <laughs> he said, no, I can't give you. If I give you, it's leprosy for life. I'm telling you the truth. Chris, you have to realize, listen, that, that, that money is not your money. I've given God his portion. The rest is my own. No. Somebody collects God's money from you, believe me. He will pay unless you, you pray for him. Unless you say, Lord, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. The Lord will collect his money back. And when he wants to collect his money, you know, you know I don't believe this doctrine. Only the devil. The devil can help sometimes. But there are times the Lord will just say, Michael, I want that money paid back four times. Michael said, what am I here for? Thank you. Just use the tip of his sword. Just push the guy down. Mom, the guy breaks an ankle, a knee, and a tie. All at the same time. Go to the doctor. Oh, yeah, orthopedic hospital. Those ones, all the, all the extortion you extorted people for two years, multiplied by four, will be the fee of the surgery. Next time you see God's money, you will keep off. The Lord is good. I'm talking about what? The principle of not loving the Lord less. The only way you won't love him less, that's what I'm talking about. You know that raising these children is a service to God. You do everything that the Lord will be happy about in it. You know that loving your wife is what? Service to God. It's not let me serve God on Sunday, then love my wife on Tuesday. And love the family people on Friday. And my friends on Saturday evenings. No. Everything I'm doing, my relationship, my work, whatever, whatever I do, I make sure that my, I'm there injecting the life of Christ into it. It's, quite, it's crucial because, as, like I was saying, that's what, that's what weakens love. It's when we start sharing it. And God is clear. The Lord is a jealous God. Jesus is jealous about the love we have for him. And let me say this to you. This is my observation. It's a major problem in Christianity. People's love usually wanes. It's a major problem. You have to fight it. it, just, it just, that's just the way life is. Solomon's love waned. Even David, do you know what happened to David? Why do you think David decided to go and kill Uriah? That's the manifestation. It waned. That's why David at the point that he said, it was good for me that I was afflicted. Sometimes these afflictions, this is a matter of fact. Sometimes that's why Christians are afflicted. God just okay, share his business you are doing. That's why you, that before you leave in the morning, two revelations have dropped in your head. Now you have the first appointment by 7 a.m. No revelation again. The time you sat behind, you said, this time I pray. Now business has taken it. God said, no problem. I, the Lord, am what? A jealous God. Now I told you, yeah, there's Gabriel, and there's what? Michael and his angels. Say Michael and his angels. Michael has, Michael has angels. They know how to just wake up in the morning and just tell the supplier to supply you bad petrol, bad diesel. You will know it's the one they stole from the creeks. Point to your diesel engine that you bought from Marabco. 
for 23 million naira and delivered it yesterday. I see feeling very happy. Then starts working. By the end of the day, it has knocked. I know what I like about banks. They are both agents of God and agents of the devil. They don't care whether it's the act of God or act of Satan. They want their money back. And don't be angry with them. It's God that sent them. Say, cripple that boy for me. After two months, your business is dead. You know what God is just asking for? Stop running out of the house early in the morning. Why? I, the Lord, am what? A jealous God. Stop running out of the house early in the morning. I know what I like about him also, the Lord. You know what he did to Job? When he refunded Job back, how, how many fold? When he refunded Job? Two. For everything he lost. When he wants to give you the generator back, he gives you the same generator for nothing. And gives you a free one with it. When you, told you, we talked about it the other day. His lessons. What's more important to him is what? The spiritual lessons. Material things for him is nothing. This is how he makes them. Why? He's a jealous God. That's what I'm making. And it is not allowed for us to let anything reduce the love we have for him. He said, look, he told the people in Ephesus there, it's enough for me to close your church. It's enough for me to remove your lampstand from his place. It's enough for me to make you lose your place in life if you reduce the amount of love that you have for me. Remember, we're looking at the lessons. The things that are important to him. Now, next, we now, we now of course, we now talk to the child. He went to we'll, the issue of the Nicolaitans. We'll come to it later because it, it came up another time. But we already talked about that. Whatever God hates, make sure you do what? You hate it. Don't have any sympathy for it. Don't have any sympathy for it. Let me just digress a bit. Don't have sympathy for bad things. You hear what I said? Now, just remember something. You know, kidnapping in Nigeria, you know where it began? Do you remember? Foreign oil workers. Thank you. It was only the foreign workers they were kidnapping. Then if you were black, you were not, you were not afraid of kidnapping. But once you're white, you're going. 